0: all right everybody about that time chris brooks here david johnson with you with rebels 247 and the inaugural rebels
1: 247 podcast david how you doing this morning man good to talk to you yeah as always and uh very excited about launching this podcast on inside the rebels and uh you know in a, in a lot of ways it's kind of a homecoming we we used to do this quite often and uh unfortunately both of us had bounced with covid they kind of uh ended that but uh hey it's yeah. we back well and uh we're ready to go and chris there is a whole lot to talk about
0: yeah I, I david i thought all i had forgotten all about that with both of us having the covet stuff man that's oh, god what a what a year
1: uh, yeah i try to forget about that too to be to be quite honest with you it almost doesn't seem real uh both of both of us were in the hospital yeah for uh more than several days and uh anyway uh Let's get to the task at hand, Chris, this Egg Bowl week. Yeah, just happy to be here, man. It's Egg Bowl week,
0: big game Thursday night. You know, I was trying to I'm, – I'm doing this this morning too, David. Uh, I'm going through some Egg Bowls, and I'm I'm grabbing some of the biggest offensive performances of, of this century, the last 20 years. So I'm reliving some of that this morning and last night, putting together a story, and uh, trying to get some positive vibes going. But going through some of those games, I – I'm trying to think of the last time we had an egg bowl with two teams as good as we have this year. It's been a, Can you think of any year we've had like this with yeah, two teams it would, with this much?
1: Yeah, it would be the year in Oxford where um, Ole Miss knocked off Mississippi State. It was 2015 in the Rebel right, Bowl. And uh and, and and you know, depending on who you ask, knock Mississippi State out of a chance. To be in the college football playoffs.
0: That's right. God, I've forgotten about the fifteen game. That was a big one. That was a big one. I'm trying to think of where both of those teams were ranked. I mean, in the teens somewhere, both of them.
1: No, state was ranked higher than that. They they entered that game ten and one. Ended up going to the Orange Bowl that year. State did, and Ole Miss entered that game eight and three, and finished nine and three and ultimately had a date with Oklahoma state in the sugar bowl with Chad Kelly.
0: What do you think is going to happen this year, David? Let's, let's start there in terms of you think this is going to be high scoring, low scoring. I mean, I I saw the interview that you did with Paul Jones and put on the board this morning, Mm -hmm. you know, what kind of game do you expect we're going to get?
1: You know, it's the egg bowl, weird things happen in the egg bowl. Right. And um, you know, just in the back of my mind, I'm going, you've got these two quarterbacks, Matt Corral, Will Rogers, both lighting up the stat column. But you look at that ever-changing weather forecast. It could be rainy. It's going to be cold. And you've got it's kind of it, it feels kind of funny to say this, Chris. You've got two pretty good defenses going yeah. into this ball game. I think the elements play into the favor of the defense, but um. I don't know. Right now, as we record this on a on a Tuesday morning, I'm seeing a 21-17, 24-17 kind of ball game. Okay, so you think, do think low scoring? I do. I, I really don't think this is going to be a 52-51 shootout like we saw with Ole Miss Arkansas. Lots of things happen. You know, the blood flows differently for the players on both both teams in this game every year. And, um, you know, I I just don't think we're going to see all the fireworks. I think this is going to be a classic Egg Bowl. And I think it's going to be a fight, if you will, all the way into the fourth quarter.
0: You know, you bring up something that's interesting with the defenses. I I looked at this last night. If we just check out total defense uh, on both of these teams, okay, State's number four in the SEC, Ole Miss is 12th. But then when you click on just the conference-only games – This year, you're talking about Mississippi State in terms of total defense here. Uh, You're talking about a team that's number two in the league Mm -hmm. and uh, and Ole Miss sitting here at number 12. Now, the difference is whenever I pull up the scoring defense, because look, we've watched Ole Miss all year. They do give up yards. But whenever you go to scoring defense and you go to conference only, it's not a two and a 12 kind of a thing. You're talking about State sitting here at seven and Ole Miss at 10. So it's like all year, David, the defense has been improved. They've still given up yards, but whenever they've had to get off the field and not give up points, they've done a pretty good job of it.
1: Yeah, you know, they kind of remind me of uh, the old Cleveland Brown defense from the 80s that earned the moniker rubber band defense. You know, they, they bent often, but didn't break that much. And Ole Miss has kind of been like that this year. I mean, they bent heavily and broke a lot against Arkansas, but at the end, they held up. You know, they didn't snap, and, uh, you know, that could have very easily been a loss on Ole Miss's resume. Um, And I keep seeing this defense get a little more confident every week and a little better every week, and, uh, you know, I, I do think when you factor in the elements Thursday night, this could be a much more traditional ball game than what we are expecting. Some are expected.
0: Matt Corral's last game at Ole Miss, or at least last regular season game, and you have the season that he's put up and the numbers he's put up, and then you look on the other side and what Will Rogers has been able to do this season, especially late. I mean, he's had a heck of a season the last month. But but staying on uh, on the, the Matt Corral end of this, I, I, don't want, I don't know if it's a good idea to go ahead and rank him in terms of Ole Miss history and the quarterbacks that, that we've had come through here. But um,
1: I agree with that. His uh, his time here is not over. And you bring up an interesting point, maybe a Freudian slip there. But, um, you know, is this Matt Corral's last game in an Ole Miss uniform? That's right. He hasn't said. Okay. And this is a guy who, by all likelihood, is going to be a first round draft pick. He's got some health issues right now. Looked a lot better Saturday night against Fandy. But, you know, does he have to take a hard look at things and go, I'm going to take this month and heal up so that when I'm working out for NFL teams and when I'm going through pro day and I'm at the NFL combine, I'm at my best. You know, it's risk versus reward. Of course, he wants to play in a bowl game. But there are some some things he must look at. And I would expect him to be looking at those things, you know, come Friday morning. And um, so we don't know. He hasn't indicated anything yet.
0: But I think yeah, I don't blame him, David, honestly, or any of these players. The the way the world is now with college football and the NFL and the draft. Well,
1: and- yeah. What is the money difference between going in the first round or the second round, Chris? It's substantial.
0: Yeah, it's a lot. It's more than um, it's more than I'm going to get.
1: For sure. But, um, you know, and you can't fault him for that. Uh, some fans will. If that's what he decides, we don't know what he's going to decide. So, um. You know, to borrow a phrase from Lane, it is what it is, I suppose. But, uh, you know, that's a story we're going to be tracking to see whether or not uh, Matt Corral and not just Matt Corral, several other rebels, whether or not they decide to uh, to go ahead and turn the page towards their NFL careers.
0: You know, that's I, really you bring up something there, too, with the roster. You know, we keep bumping up against this in, in the recruiting part of this, trying to figure out you know, where they're headed in recruiting, who are the targets, and honestly, it's been a little frustrating because you don't know exactly where they're headed, who they're going after, but it, it stems from the fact that you don't know what's going to be back next year. There's going to be so much turnover on the roster, so mm-hmm. many kids out the door, so many back in. It's hard to even know where they're going to be a year from now, what that roster is going to look like.
1: Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, you know, you take a guy – let's take a guy like Nick Broker. The Rebels, very fine starting left tackle. He's draft eligible. You know, is he going to look at things? I think he is. Obviously, he's going to look at things. Will he be back? And, uh, you know, how does that correlate to recruiting? Well, we're seeing all of these um, offensive tackle prospects – that are making their way to Oxford all of a sudden, or not making their way to Oxford, even though they're still being recruited by the rebels, such as Percy Lewis right. down the Mississippi Gulf Coast. But the kid from Miami was in here this weekend. They are trying to sign some offensive tackles. Um, and and you know, they may have their suspicions about what Brooker's gonna do. I'm pretty confident Jeremy James is gonna stick his toe in. To see where he stands. But I do believe Jeremy will come back to anchor the right side of that line next year. And then the list goes on. What's Jerry on Ely going to do? You know, what is Snoop Connor going to do? You know, on paper right now, these are guys that'll be back next year. But again, we won't know that to the coming weeks as these guys uh, make decisions and announcements.
0: You bring up Ely, and I think Jerry is a huge part of the game this thursday night how he plays is going to play a huge role in whether they win or not but this is a two-part question on corral here david Uh, i'm not sure they win the game if he can't run the football more like he did before the injuries Mm -hmm. so do you do you think he's healthy enough to run the football more for one and if he's not do you think that he can still be successful against state without the legs?
1: I think he'll have his legs for the most part Thursday night. I think he had them Saturday night. Yeah, uh, They did not have to put him in peril, so to speak. So they didn't. Uh, a lot of people didn't like that fact, but uh, you don't risk Matt Corral if uh, you don't have to. And they did not have to against Vanderbilt, which probably made for a closer score. Um, but You know, to my eyes, he looked more fluid out there. He looked like he was moving better, more comfortable. And I think you're going to see a full go, Matt Corral. If the guy's anything, he's a fierce competitor. And I think you're going to see that Thursday night. I think he's going to have to run. I'm like you in that regard. He's got to be a threat, I think, for Ole Miss to win this football game, particularly if the weather is as bad. And, look, I know that weather forecast is changing every hour. But yeah. there's still a possibility for it. It's going to be cold, and it's a possibility for it to be wet as well. Uh, so, uh, you know, the ground game could be very important for both teams Thursday night, uh, depending on what the elements are.
0: I think he's going to have to run the football a little bit. And let's say this about that Vandy game. Uh, I, I get everybody being upset in the moment as you're watching that game, and uh, they did not play well. Okay, that that's a, that's obvious did not play well in that game but you know they've had games this year especially the last month where in the second half they struggled right offensively you you're clicking everything's great and then the second half kind of shuts down david that game didn't feel like that to me this looked like a a team in the second half they barely wanted to be there they just wanted to get the win it looked like coaches were doing very little in terms of scheming, you, you know what I mean, to try to get points, to 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 you know, to throw too much stuff out there in terms of film and video for the opponent. Everybody's just trying to get that game over with. Now, I do hate that they had to play four quarters and you played more snaps that you wanted for a lot of your starters. I don't think that game's going to have anything to do with what happens
1: Thursday. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, you know, I, I tend to go down the road that – You know, you are what you look like, so Mm -hmm. to speak. So there's no doubt. And it it wasn't just the Vandy game. This Ole Miss offense has not been hitting on all cylinders in the back half of the season. And they didn't hit on all cylinders against Vanderbilt. Um, You know, is there some kind of magic magic potion that, uh, you know, they're going to ingest before Thursday night? And all of a sudden that offense is going to look like the one we saw against Tulane or Arkansas. I don't know. I don't know. Um, but, um, you know, that's, that's one element that you should be concerned about going into this egg bowl is how well that offense can, can work against what is a substantial Mississippi state defense. This will be the best defense Ole Miss has faced since, since who Auburn, maybe. Well, the
0: A&M, that a and defense. Yeah, A&M,
1: A&M. Yeah.
0: But I I agree with you. State's defense is good. Do you think that if the wide receivers are healthy, if they are, and that's a big if, do you think if they were healthy, if they are healthy, that the offense looks more like it did earlier in the year?
1: Yeah, I thought we saw glimpses of that with uh, Drummond on the field um, Saturday night. So, yeah, I do believe that, uh, that they've got it in them. Let me just say that. They have it in them to To go out and have an unbelievable performance. But again, what they're facing on the other side of things, very difficult. This is a very good Mississippi State defense. The Bulldogs have some good wins on their schedule this year as well. It's a good, it's a good opponent. Um, this is going to be a fun game to watch. I hope it's a fun ending for all these Ole Miss fans.
0: Hey, let's flip this around one more time with the Egg Bowl just to look at the defense on the Ole Miss end of it. I don't know if I really like the matchup a whole lot in terms of what State likes to do offensively. Look, I do like uh, what what DJ Durkin has done in terms of – it's almost like they they, they back everybody up. Mm-hmm. They don't rush a lot, and they, they let other teams make mistakes, right? They let other teams do that. But State has proven all year they'll sit there and they'll just dump it to a running back 20 times if they have to. They're very patient. Will Rogers himself. Yeah. He's very patient. I, I don't know if I really love the matchup in terms of what State does offensively and what Ole Miss is trying to do defensively.
1: Well, here's something I think you should key on as this game plays out Thursday night. Watch Chance Campbell. I think Ole Miss linebacker Chance Campbell is the most important player in this game in terms of how his performance is going to impact the outcome. Uh, if if you're looking out there and Chance is making tackle after tackle and he's able to beat the blocks and chase down this dink and dunk Mississippi State passing game and, and interrupt it, so to speak, mm-hmm. I, I think Ole Miss is going to win this football game. And, again, that's where I go back to I think this is going to be somewhat of a, by comparative nature, a low-scoring football game. Um You know, often the heroes in this game are very ironic. You know, we think we know what's going to happen. We look at it, and uh, it ends up being, you know, somebody we've never thought about being the guy that kind of swings this game either way for either team. I think in this game, Chance Campbell is that guy. He's done an excellent job all year long. ought to be an all-SEC linebacker when all is said and done. Um, But that's that's – Somebody on the defensive side, I would watch. I would watch Chance Campbell. If Chance is racking up a bunch of tackles, he's getting it done, and uh, I think that's going to spell trouble for Mississippi State. Well, we'll see what happens in the
0: game Thursday night, the Egg Bowl, Ole Miss versus Mississippi State. Looking forward to that. Some Thanksgiving turkey with the family and everything that goes along with that. Uh, we're also to the point of the year where the coaching carousel stuff starts we're up, over. David. Yep. And. um I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, I, I, I'm joking with friends of mine this week and they know this about me. I do love a good coaching search. Okay. Uh, I do love a good coaching search. So I like this time of year when coaches are going everywhere and there's so many rumors flying around, but it's not as much fun when it's your guy. And, you know, Lane and Lane Kiffin's name is out there. There's two reasons for that. Just, I mean, just two reasons completely almost unrelated to whether he leaves or stays. One is his name is such a big deal and you know what clicks are like with him. You put Lane's name on anything and, and it gets traffic, but then also, you know, the way the agents work these days and, you know, getting clients paid and, and I get that that's just business. And I understand that, but then you try to get past both of those things and see if there's some substance to it. What do you make of all those rumors that have been coming out the last week?
1: Yeah, it doesn't surprise me or anyone else for that matter. Um, Lane's done done an incredible job here. Look, they're they're on the verge of being ten and two, going to a New Year's Six bowl game, and ranked inside the top ten. You just think back to two years ago where this program was. So he's done everything he needs to do to be one of the hottest names in the country when silly season arrives and these coaching searches are are, are prevalent. Um, you know. As far as you know, what fans should be watching for, number one, we don't know what jobs are, are ultimately going to be open yet. There's still a, a week or two left for the possibility pot to grow, so to speak. Um, obviously, Miami, which is not open, and Florida have been kind of prominent in these conversations. I talked to some people down at Florida on Monday. I don't think they're pursuing Lane. Now, that could obviously change. There's no doubt about it. But I think Billy Napier is their top guy. So I'm not really concerned about the Florida opening. Uh, if Miami opens up, I think there should be a level of concern there. Um, I don't think it's all about money. I do believe Keith Carter is prepared to uh, to do what he needs to do to keep Lane Kiffin here. And it's going to boil down to whether or not Lane wants to stay at Ole Miss or he wants to go elsewhere. Um, we've all followed his career. As you pointed out, I mean, he's a lightning rod. Everybody wants to know what Lane Kiffin is up to. And we also know he's got a ledger of kind of being nomadic. He moves around. He hasn't stayed anywhere very long for a number of reasons, depending on the scenario. So is it real? Absolutely. I mean, he's going to listen to people. He is going to listen to people. But he has a really good setup here in Oxford. Now, I think they've got to start building something. I don't know how this reloading through the transfer portal every year is going to play out. It played out extremely well this season. Um, But, you know, I don't know that you want to get caught in a cycle where that's where you're making your bread and butter, as you alluded to earlier in recruiting, uh, as opposed to bringing in guys that uh, it may take a year or two to develop and get on the field. That hasn't worked out so good with the 2019 or the 2020 and the 2021 classes. I mean, really, if you want to look for contributors uh, out of that group, those two groups, you're pretty much limited to Tysheem Johnson in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I I think, I think if he does stay in Oxford, uh, certainly he has, he has entered with guns a blazing. um, But, um, you know, I think there's a lot of work to be done to keep this program at the level that it is at right now. And I think he knows that.
0: We'll get into the recruiting here in just a minute. You know, I actually like the transfer approach. I, I think I like it.
1: Well, it it is, it is what it is now, right? I mean, that's what you have to do. I I mean, that's no knock against Lane Kiffin and, and this staff and their approach to recruiting. The game has changed tremendously. Yeah. Over the course of the last couple of classes. You have to do that. If you're going to stay competitive, you better do it. So, you know, in a lot of ways, Lane's probably cutting edge in regards to that. Some of these old heads have uh, at other programs have not bought into that yet. And, um, you know, we see the result of, of his first year of really heavily working that transfer portal, and it looks pretty good from this standpoint. But what you fear is – You'll have years that you hit and years that you miss. And uh, your success on the field that fall could very likely be directly tied to that.
0: Well, back to the coaching part of it in, in terms of the, the jobs that are out there. Like, all I would tell people is this, David. You can wring your hands uh, and worry about this stuff constantly if you want to. I mean, I mean, fans in general. And, and I really do get that. But the point is, all of these coaches, they're looking – you know, they're going to look at opportunities out there. So it's not really a question of whether a coach wants to leave or not, because the oh. truth is nobody really knows that so-and-so likes this town or he doesn't like this town or he wants out. That's all fodder and media throw that out there. If it's your team or it's the opposing team and that's just, uh, that it's, is what it is. It's complete fodder. But at the end of the day, you look at the opportunities that are there, right? Is this job, this This B job, this new job, is it better than the one I'm in now? And the truth is, with the SEC money and the way that the the landscape has changed the last few years, Ole Miss and the SEC is a very good job. Especially if you want to leave the league, there's not a lot of places to go and move up. Now, if you move within the league, there's some jobs there. But he is in a good place right now. He's already proven he can win. Mm -hmm. And they're staring at, I mean, uh, potentially an 11-win season. If you win in the bowl game, you go eleven and two. So he's already proven you can do that. I mean, I guess you get into questions that are more personal in nature. Does he like it? Does the family like it? Those type of things. And there's really never a way to know the answer to that stuff. You just you sit back, and at least this is the way I approach it. You try not to get too attached. If a coach comes, if he goes, that's that's just it's part of the the business. It's the nature of it. You just enjoy it while you have it. And when they go, they go. When they stay, they stay. And there's just – there's really no rhyme or reason and there's no way to predict what's going to happen.
1: Yeah, I'm going to throw something at you here that is really incredible if you sit back and just think about it. Since 2011, Mm -hmm. if Lane Kiffin were to leave this year, Ole Miss will have gone through five different head football coaches in 10 years. Five different head football coaches in 10 years. Um it's it, – and you can say the same for a lot of programs out there. This is the new age of college football, you know, and, and it's not just the coaches, it's the players. Look, if you, if you sign with Ole Miss out of high school and you've sat around two years and you're not on the field, you're going to leave. You're going to go somewhere where you can play or you're going to decide, you know, I'll spend my college days putting a costume on on Saturdays and standing on the sidelines. Some guys can deal with that. Most of these guys are players, they're competitors. they want to play somewhere. So it, it's a it's a saloon door, if you will. It's a swinging door and it's going to be that way forever more as far as I can tell, um, you can't put this toothpaste back in the tube with whether you're talking about with coaches or players, you know, maybe even fans nowadays, you know you can watch anybody on TV every Saturday and grow up a fan of anybody. Um, I discovered that myself this year, trying to uh, figure out how to watch New Mexico State every weekend play, and uh, I've been on some shady sites to, uh, to, uh, <laughs> to be able to get the live streams. But uh, that,
0: what, what is New Mexico State?
1: What are they? They are the Aggies. The Aggies. Yeah. It's a big, uh, big farming area out there. Uh, they grow a lot of chili peppers. You
0: Florida. made that trip once, didn't you? Down there with Eli, did you drive that?
1: Uh, I've been there twice this year. Been there I've twice. Also been to the Alien Museum in Roswell, New Mexico, twice this year. Never thought that would happen in my life, but that's uh, not
0: Area Fifty One, right? Yeah,
1: it's part of it. You know they they've got some claim to it. Saucer crash and all that good stuff. Uh, did
0: you did you, uh, did you see anything? Any, did you find anything?
1: Man, every business in that town has a green alien in front of it. I don't care if it's Dunkin' Donuts, McDonald's, whatever. This is a brilliant Chamber of Commerce strategy that was developed back in the 1950s. And, and I'll, I'll give them an A+. Plus. I mean, you know, I went in the Alien Museum, Chris. I was looking for signs. I wanted to be a believer, Chris. I really did. Nothing. Nothing. That's disappointing. Nothing. Old newspaper clippings, some wax models of aliens. And, uh, you know, I, I don't think it really happened. I think it was a weather balloon or some experimental oh. military aircraft. It was disappointing, but I have a seven-year-old. So we went out the first time, and it was my 22-year-old daughter that had to go. We went out the second time. It was my seven-year-old daughter that had to go. And, of course, we had to go again, too. But, uh, you know, if you're ever in the area, maybe stop in if you're into those things. But uh, I'm not a believer. I didn't see anything. It wasn't any kind of uh, out-of-body extraterrestrial experience.
0: Hey, you, you took us down a road of recruiting. Let's let's do that for a second. Then we'll wrap this up. we got about five more minutes here. Uh, the Lane Kiffin coaching rumor stuff—that is what it is. I'm, I'm, you listen to it, and then, but it's Egg Bowl week, and you know, let's focus on the game, and then after that, then you'll we'll we'll see what happens.
1: Hey, I will say this before we get off into recruiting: if I had to predict right now, Lane Kiffin is the head coach of the Ole Miss Rebels next year. Yeah, I do too. For what it's worth.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. I'm I'm the same. I, I think he'll be back, but we'll we'll find out and we'll see what happens there. All right, on recruiting. Look, I'm glad we went down the transfer road there. It's it's everybody. It's It's coaches are in and out. Now players are in and out. I've always been an advocate for players being paid. And I think you and I had this conversation last week. I've always advocated for that. But the truth is, now that I'm seeing this play out, David, it has made it more of a business. I don't think it's been great for the players. Yes, they have opportunities to leave now. At the same time, it almost give coaches, it gives them a license to treat this more like free agency in the okay, NFL man. yes, than, than they ever have. And they've done that stuff in the past, but processing players or creating room or all of those things, it's definitely given them more leeway to do it. So we're going to see situations like, uh, well, like with the portal, the way it was explained to me. The 10 to 12 number that I was told, like Chris, don't be surprised if there's 12 kids, if they find them, that they could take in the portal. And that number seems really high at first. And then you start thinking about it, and they're explaining this to me. This is why. You're sitting there watching some freshmen you brought in. Maybe you don't like some of them. I'm talking as a player. This guy's going to have to sit here for a couple of years. Well, do I continue to groom this kid to prepare him to play? But he's not happy because he's not playing. Maybe he's out of here before he gets to that third year anyway, and I'm starting over with another one, and I can go out and find a portal kid that not only are they coming in a little bit older, maybe you have more film on somebody, more ways to get an idea of what you're getting, but they also are using their one-time transfer opportunity, which that's gone now. So you know you have this player in the system. I understand it. I it's going to affect how you and I cover recruiting a lot in terms of trying to figure out who's coming and going, what are the priorities where they need portal players, where they need high school players. It's just, it's a very different landscape, but there's no doubt. You are going to see massive changes from year to year in who is on the football field for these teams.
1: Yeah, no doubt about it. And, uh, you know, and and we've stated this, we're, we're not going to bloviate about recruiting. Neither one of us. We're, we're just not going to do that. If we know it, we're going to tell you about it, but we're not going to do a lot of supposition. Um, supposition can get you in trouble. Um, you guys won't expect accurate information, and uh, that's what we're striving to do. So some days, there may be four or five lines on the recruiting notes. Some days there may be 35 or 40 lines on the recruiting notes. It just depends on what's going on. And as Chris has pointed out and, and very correctly, I might add, and it kind of sounds funny to say this, but in terms of these high school recruits right now, there is not a whole lot going on. And as far as we know, there's nothing going on that you don't know about. Now that's not to say that, uh, There won't be a surprise or two that uh, pop up in the next several days or weeks, but, um, you know, we'll see. But again, that can be equated to the transfer portal. And, you know, Chris talks about, you know, processing players or players leaving Ole Miss is going to have some of that. We've already seen it start to matriculate with Jamar Richardson. And then uh, on Monday, Bryce Johnson hits the portal. Um, you know, these are guys who want to play somewhere, and they weren't getting playing time here at Ole Miss. And, uh, and there's a flip side to that, as Chris pointed out. You know, spots are valuable on this roster, and you've got to get the best players possible that you think can help you win ball games. So there's going to be a little bit of a clearance there, so to speak, so that it allows Ole Miss and, – and look, this is going on all across the country – Uh, a little bit more wiggle room when you're talking about going into that transfer portal and getting, as Chris said, as many as 12 players. Well, one of these kids,
0: let me get into. Uh, The ones that we know we're looking at, you know, Stone Blanton is sitting there. I don't know where Stone's going to go. I really think it's up in the air. I'll I'll try to get him later today. Uh, Trevion Williams is sitting there. I think he's leaning to state right now, but we'll see where that goes. But one I wanted to bring up, David, in terms of how we're covering recruiting Okay, Jaheim Otis. Uh, I know a lot about that situation and what Jaheim is doing. I do think that kid is very solid with Alabama. Uh, they've done a very professional job recruiting him. The coaches have been on him with the staff there at Columbia. And, look, and I'm getting information not just from one place but from a couple of different places to try to cover my bases here. But I've gotten some questions here lately uh, about his family coming to town and, and those kind of things. Look, Let me just tell you where they are with Jaheim Otis. I could have thrown out a lot of mystery stuff if I wanted to. And, hey, this guy, this nefarious character over here is doing this. And I've just chosen not to. The family has not been real involved in his recruitment to date. And that's his aunt and his uncle and his mom. And they live together. And he's very close to his mom. And... um mm-hmm. The best way to frame this is he's had other people around that have tried to help handle the recruiting process, you know, and Ole Miss probably blocked out of it a little bit. Uh, And the family, direct family that he lives with, not real involved. And here lately, they have chosen to get more involved and a little more knowledgeable about what's what's going on. And Ole Miss has a bigger opportunity now to sign him. That's the easiest way to say it. There's been somebody sitting there. It's not necessarily pro Ole Miss, and the family was not part of it. But they are – this is still a common-sense area, regardless who's helping someone in the recruiting process and and those type things. The family is a big deal. And the fact that Ole Miss got his his aunt and his uncle and his mom to campus to kind of talk through things with him, uh, I don't think they've necessarily had some of the access to him that other schools – have had. And I think that's why other schools have been real confident in that they had a shot and, and Ole Miss didn't. They are in a much better position now than they were a few weeks ago. I still think that kid signs with Alabama at the end of the day. I agree. There's you. real interest in there uh, in Ole Miss now that probably was not there a few weeks ago and and you know where we're sitting now, we'll just we'll see where, where it's headed.
1: Yeah, we're gonna spend a lot of brain power and energy following everything Jaheim Otis does over the next few weeks. And Chris, I believe, it. if I'm correct, he has yet to take an official visit. Is that right?
0: He hasn't taken an official visit, and he's running out of time. I mean, they played this Friday night. This is and, what and, I think is going to happen. And not
1: just an official visit to not Miss. He hasn't taken an official anywhere.
0: Anywhere. This is what I think is going to happen. Uh, I, I do think he likes Alabama a lot. That's the commitment there. I think they've done a great job recruiting him you know the offensive line stuff was floated out there not long ago I really don't believe there's much validity in that nope if you watch that kid play and the coaches aren't dumb I'm guessing that came up like in a a very secondary thing the guy is almost 400 pounds he's going to move to offensive line but then you see him play and run Uh, he's not an offensive line okay he is obviously a defensive kid he will probably if I'm guessing here this is the guess part They play Friday night. I think they'll win that game, meaning they'll play the next Saturday in the state championship, David. And then the next week, they spend it all week practicing for the Miss Al. So there are no weekends to do an official visit. He really should have already taken some before now. So I think you'll likely see a visit to Alabama this weekend because Friday night, then you still have Saturday, Sunday. So I would would imagine you see that. And then you would have Ole Miss and State sitting there trying to get him on campus for the next one, which would be a short visit because of the Saturday game for the state title. And then that would be very telling where he's thinking about going if he's not at Alabama. And I think we'll see what happens there. But, look, you mentioned this. He's going to be one of the ones we spent a lot of attention on here the last few weeks. I do think Ole Miss is in much better shape than they were two weeks ago. Uh, at the same time, I haven't changed my mind. I think it's still. I'm trying. I don't want to put a number. I started to put a number on a percentage. I'm not going to do that. I think it is very, very likely he still signs with Alabama.
1: All right. Travion Williams, you mentioned you feel like he's leaning towards Mississippi State. He's been on the Ole Miss campus recently. Where do you think Ole Miss stands with Travion? It's.
0: It's one of those things like this, David. We live in this NIL world now, so it's, it is easier to talk about these things now. A, a kid is leaning one direction until he's not. You know what I mean? Yeah. Until a, a better, well, I like this school over here. And and i tell you a school that's real involved in this right now, I mean, above board, apparently Kentucky's done a pretty good job with their NIL stuff, but I'm assuming a lot of schools are, have done this. There is more of an NFL free agency feel to this, um, and I know there's always been that aspect of recruiting. But now with the NIL stuff, that the above board stuff, a kid's leaning one way. It's like in free agency, an NFL player, he really likes the the city of Miami, until he starts getting all the information and what deals and money's available. Will suddenly this. This other market with more money is more appealing. You know what I mean? You lean one way until you you get all the, the info yeah. in, and then you're leaning a different way. I want to uh, circle.
1: I, Go ahead. Go ahead.
0: I, I do think you're right. I, I think state is is in a good position with him, but um, uh, but we'll we'll see where that heads in, in terms of visits and, and where he ends up.
1: I want to circle back to Stone Blanton. Obviously, that's come down to an old mess, Mississippi State battle. And Chris, I've said this often. I'm not a big believer that who wins the Egg Bowl matters much in terms of recruiting with these in-state Mississippi kids. Yeah, Often because the roots are already there with one program or the other. But with Stone Blanton being such an enigma right now in terms of where he's going to play college football and college baseball, do you think this game Thursday night helps him with that decision in any shape or form?
0: I think it could. Um, I, I, and normally I would not say that. But and, you know, I do know his dad well, and I, I know the kid because they're from here, but I know his dad well through the MAIS. I mean, they're awesome people. And uh, at the same time, I realize you can't always say everything that you're thinking. I mean, these you can't tell media everything if you're trying to play it close to the vest. I mean, I've tried to do the thing with Shane. Hey, you know, you can just, you can tell me and I'll keep it between us. And everybody does that. I really believe that kid's a little up in the air. I think he's still making decisions where he wants to go, likes Mississippi State baseball a lot. I think he does like Ole Miss football. Look, the truth is, David, several weeks ago, talking to his dad, um, the kid really liked South Carolina and what they were doing. But I I think it ends up being an an in-state battle. I had one coach uh, in that area tell me, hey, I think it it could also be a case of he really likes the football fit at Ole Miss. He's got Mississippi State in his heart, and he's wrestling with that a little bit. And I'm seeing that with, with my kid. You know, these aren't easy decisions. These are still teenage kids. And uh, sometimes we make this what it's not. It's just it's a hard decision. Yeah, I can not. see the Egg Bowl. I could absolutely see it having some impact on, on what he's thinking. I wouldn't be shocked at that.
1: Yeah, and, and like I said, normally I don't ever think this game has much of an impact at all on a recruit's decision. But with that one, it just seems seems like it might. It just seems like it, it. this could this could be for Stone Blanton Thursday night.
0: He's a good player. That's all I know. I mean, he racks up tackles. He's a big kid. He can run. He's probably uh, – right now he's about 220, a little over 220. Started the season about 230. Now he's back down in that 220 area. He's running a lot better. He moves a lot better. He had a great career starting five years at MRA. But uh, we'll see what happens with him. So you have him. You have Jaheim Otis. And, and, you know, you and I have done this a few times, David. I'll call you. Hey, are we missing anybody? Is there anybody else out there? But there's just – there's not a ton of names out there. I mean, Kamari Rogers is sitting there. He's committed to Miami. You know, his dad is a good friend of mine. He's the coach at Holmes County. If Miami does not make a change at coach with Manny Diaz, you know, I think that is very likely he still ends up going to Miami.
1: Well – it's going to be fun to watch the next several weeks, uh, really and truly all the way up to the Christmas holidays. It's going to be action packed on, on a lot of fronts. And we, we've tried to cover those fronts today. Uh, Hey, we're going to, we're going to learn what postseason bowl game Ole Miss is going to. We're ultimately going to learn whether Lane Kiffin is going to coach his team next year or not. We're going to learn of a lot of roster movements coming up. And then we're going to top bow on this early signing class, uh, somewhere um you know a week or so before Christmas so lots and lots and lots of stuff um that we're going to be talking about and dealing with but Chris the first one has been fun my friend
0: yeah I've enjoyed talking to you David first Rebels 247 podcast and hey look and I'm happy to be on the board and covering recruiting with you covering almost football and yeah, really yeah. hey
1: I gotta I forgot to just publicly welcome you yeah to <laughs> yeah. the staff man um Chris and I have been friends a long time, and I've said this on the board. There was only one guy I was thinking about when all this transition suddenly happened back in October, and man, I got to tell you how happy I am to have you on with us. As well as look, I got to shout out Brad Logan, and Brad is just a contributor, but a very valuable one. And then Tyler Comas, who's doing an internship with us, and uh, there's more news coming in January. Uh, we're not done with this staff yet. And, uh, uh, you know, all, all f- for the ability to serve you better. But uh, welcome aboard, my friend. I'm so glad you're with us.
0: Yeah, th- thanks for all that. Hey, I'm looking forward to it. Getting my feet wet, a lot to learn there. But David's helped me a ton, man. I really appreciate you.
1: All right. See you guys uh, on the next episode. Chris and I have got to hash out when that's going to be, actually. Uh, we've been wanting to do this ever since he came on, but this Rebels 247 podcast is going to be part of the national 247 sports podcast network, if you will. So we had to deal with CBS on setting some things up and things of that nature, but, man, we're excited about it and uh, looking forward to talking with you next time. Chris, sign us off.
0: Yep, until next time, uh, Chris Brooks for David Johnson. This is the Rebels 247 podcast, and we'll talk to you later. Appreciate you.